This is the Out of Water Podcast. Out of Water is a production of Rio Vista Community Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. We hope you'll subscribe and give us a good rating to help others find Out of Water. Welcome, friends, to the Out of Water podcast. We're glad that you're here with us again this week. Uh, my name is Mark Lautenschlager, Master of Ceremonies here. We've got Sam Kassensmith, our Pastor of Spiritual Formation, Drew Brown, our Co-Director of Student Ministries, and somebody forgot to close the door. So we've got the other Co-Director of Student Ministries, Will Bushman, is in with us. And I'm thinking, is this your four? This is four, so he now has to actually get on to the, the voiceover at the beginning, and I don't have to do a live intro anymore. There you go. I've made it. You're part of the team. Look at that. Well, you, you haven't... You haven't Started from the bottom. Let's be clear. You haven't actually gotten through this episode yet. That's true. We could dismiss you mid-episode. It could happen. Make it count. <clears throat> yes. Make it count. We've been talking about uh, items from the Sermon on the Mount, because that's something that our church has been going through recently, a study of that. This time, we're going to come to the topic of salt and light. Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth and that we are the light of the world. Um, those are things that I think everybody is familiar with. They're, it's, a, it's a common thing in our vernacular to tell somebody they're a real salt of the earth kind of person or that they're, you know, they're a real light to the world. So I think, light, I think that has been appropriated by our society and to some extent defused. But I don't think that how we use them today is how Jesus was using them back then. Would you agree with that, Sam? Oh, absolutely. Like when, when we talk about salt in the ancient world, there would be so much meaning uh, when you would have said that, which we'll get to in a minute. But the idea behind salt and light, you know, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount has this kind of meta narrative through the whole thing that's calling us to recognize our humility, that we don't exist for ourselves, that we're, we're made to point people to something more beautiful. And so when you, when you get to salt and light, which starts in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 5, we've just come through the Beatitudes that kind of set the tone for what the Sermon on the Mount is going mm-hmm. to be about. And it, you know, it starts, blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, for they, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Uh, blessed are the meek. And so it's setting this this tone that you know the world's way of thinking is turned upside down. Mm-hmm. You know, when we hear poor in spirit, we don't think, oh, that's blessed. Or <laughs> you know, those who mourn, oh, wonderful, they're they're blessed. But what Jesus does is he comes and takes the world's way of seeing things and turns it upside down. And so when we get to this um, passage where he then turns from the Beatitudes, which Beatitude just means blessedness. It's saying what the blessed life is. Uh, he then says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And so that first that first passage that he gets to is, you are the salt of the earth. Now, we hear that today and we think, why in the world would he choose that language? But well, there's actually a lot to that. Yeah, we, well, we have a very different perception of it. If I tell you that somebody's a salt of the earth kind of person, you believe I'm describing their character, right? right. That they're salt of the earth. They're simple. They're happy with what they have. They love, you know, mom and America and apple yeah. pie. They're just, they're a real red-blooded, all-American, yeah. 
Yes. The perfect neighbor. Perfect neighbor. Salt of the earth. They got power tools and they lend them. So that's the, <laughs> that's the kind of attitude that we have toward it. But, in fact, that's not what Jesus was going at at all. He wasn't giving us a character reference. He was giving us a job description. He's saying, when he says you're the salt of the earth, he's saying you need to do something. You need to do what salt would do. And the job of salt primarily in those days was to prevent corruption. Correct. Was to preserve things. So in the ancient world, salt was extremely valuable. And you even see that in the the root of where we get the word salt, S-A-L, is also where we get salary. Because in the ancient world, when you got your paycheck, you know, it didn't come with a bunch of numbers and someone's signature. You were paid in salt. Uh, because salt was seen as valuable, it it, it did a great a number of things, like you're talking about sure. keeping things preserved. Like right. today, we've got electricity and we have refrigerators, and so you know we don't think of salt as something that's a preservative, unless you know if you live in the South and you've ever had country. Have you ever had country <laughs> ham? <laughs> country ham is it's basically like you want to have some ham with your salt. <laughs> it is so salty it like sucks all of the moisture out of your tongue when you eat it and the reason why it's so salty is because that's how they used to have to preserve things in the south before electricity and refrigerators mm-hmm. um which i think in this case we have to ask ourselves at least if to understand the context that jesus was giving this them is why you know where this corruption is coming from this idea that are we talking about you know what sort of corruption are we talking about in the world how is it that the world is becoming corrupt what causes that and then we can understand the action that salt can have if i were to say to you drew what do you think it is that is at the heart of the of the corruption and the darkness that's spreading in the world how would you answer that question I would answer, I mean, I would say sin, which I feel like feels like the obvious answer to say, but yeah, it's, it's sin and this desire to be my own God to, that we all have, we're born with that. So this, and that, that manifests itself in all different types of ways that, um, are selfish and evil. And so when you have an entire world filled with people who are inherently, um, sinful and, and broken then corruption flows out of that. And mm-hmm. so when, because when we're talking about salt of the earth, when I first read this, I've heard people say phrases like, you're the salt of the earth kind of person, but it almost has no <laughs> meaning to me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like apart from knowing that this is a passage in scripture, if you just told me, tried to help me understand this, I would have no context. So right. it is helpful to have the context of wh- what they would have understood salt to mean because just first read, it doesn't resonate with me in the way that I think Christ wanted it to. Well, and they would have also understood Jesus to be telling them that they were intensely valuable. Yeah. Salt was extremely valuable. That's what Sam was just talking about. So you're, you're not only, he's not only telling you what he wants you to do, but he's also saying you're valuable. This is a very important thing. And you're right. Sin is the part that is corrupting the world. And now I guess that raises the next question. What's the remedy for sin? Jesus. Yeah. Christ. The I gospel. Mean, yeah. It's the, you know, that's, that's the remedy for sin. You know, it always has been. You know, there's no, there's no sense in which we're going to banish sin or reduce it in any way apart from the gospel. Yeah. So the idea of being salt of the earth, that's something that is powered 100% by the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, Drew, when you were talking about sin, kind of the definition that you threw out, and, and this, I, I, when we say sin today, you think, oh, that's archaic, and people kind of tune out because it's got connotations. But if, 
Sin, basically all sin, comes from a root of self-absorption. We can't take our eyes off of ourself. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we'll, we're totally self-absorbed. And so the gospel, when, when you talk about the, the remedy for sin being Jesus, it is. He's absolutely the remedy for sin. The gospel is the remedy for sin. But it's not just the gospel being the remedy for sin in the eternal sense, you know, so that you get salvation. But it has this world implications. Yeah. You know, when you're called, when you are rescued by the gospel and, and you, you're humbled under that in a good way, it takes it helps to take your eyes off of yourself. And so you are a changed person that you're no longer just living for yourself. You're living also for Christ and his kingdom and for other people and you're pouring yourself out. And that kind of flows against the natural way of the world. Sure. And and so it's a preservative. When we mm-hmm. you know, when we start off the conversation by saying we're all sinners. Mm-hmm. Right there, that gets a little dicey with people that, that are outside of the Christian thought tank, our, our way of thinking and looking <laughs> at things. Well, if, you just, if you're talking to the average person who's not gone to church or has really no exposure to this idea, and you say, well, you know, we're all sinners, and they're going to look at you and they're going to go, no, I mean, I'm not a sinner. I'm not, I don't do, because in their mind, they have a sinner as somebody that hurts other people. It's bad. It's like, you know, they, that's the, usually the answer I get is, I'm not hurting anybody, mm. you know, with what I do. And that's their explanation of why they're not a sinner. And I, you know, I, you know, some people are sinners with a little S and some people are sinners with a capital S and some people are sinners in all caps with three fire emojis. You've got all different kind of levels. I'm not trying to suggest that everybody's the same type of sinner. But the fact is that none of us are perfect. And that's usually how I flip that around. If I, if we were talking conversation, Hey, all of us are sinners. I'm not a sinner. Well, none of us are perfect. That's something that people will agree with, but it's that idea that the problem that needs to be dealt with is something that's inside of us. Correct. There's all different types of sinners, but there's one solution, which is the gospel and Jesus. Some of the, the, the aspects of being salt, this idea that you have to be in and around that which you're going to preserve, that salt doesn't mean we, we get off in our little huddle and we judge the world and mm-hmm. we keep them at arm's length and we mm-hmm. hang out with just other Christians. But Jesus is telling you, I want you packed in there with the world. You're salt yeah. of the earth. That means go out there and be in and around and through and be a part of everything because salt preserves what it touches. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it also disinfects. That's another yes. one of the beautiful. It's not just for you know meat and things that are dead. Yeah. It's actually you know salt goes into a wound and it might sting a little bit, right? So right. there's there's some meaning in that. You know we're we're not always called to be just fluffy cotton, yeah. soft and nice, and you know there's an element mm-hmm. to the fact that we bring a truth that stings. You know, like you were talking about the fact that we're saying everybody's a sinner immediately right. makes people go whoa 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 whoa. Like there's an element to where when you put salt in a wound, it stings. Right. It makes you aware that you have a wound, mm-hmm. but. It heals. It disinfects that wound even as it stings. Right. They actually used to dress battlefield wounds in that time with oil and salt. Huh. They'd mm-hmm. salt oil and they'd rub it into the wound. And <laughs> I, I remember when we were on a, a trip to Israel when we got to the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea, the salinity in the Dead Sea is like 10 times that of the ocean. Sure. It's tremendously salty. 
and you would watch all these people who went in with cuts or freshly shaven legs or whatever, and they would go in the water, and it's like, oh, ow, 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 or somebody with hemorrhoids. <laughs> and, and the salt let them know about it right away. Yeah, I went to Israel when I was 14 with my family, and I was one of those rookies, shaved my legs the night before the Dead Sea, and it was one of the most Hello. painful experiences. Was that middle school, Drew? Yeah, Looking eighth grade Drew. <laughs> yeah, trying to be big shot at the Dead Sea. <laughs> yeah. But I love that idea. You know what? We're talking about salt gets into the mess. Right. It yeah. gets in, and it, it keeps things from falling apart, and it not only does that, but it brings, it preserves life and heal, right. heals and, and all of that. See, well, that helps me understand well, this in a different way that's really helpful of just that salt. Because like, I think initially, I really do think that when you say you're the salt of the earth, there's a lot of people who are like, that means almost nothing to me. Right. But that idea that as believers, we're not called to just get this title and then do our own thing, but right. to live in and among and to... Uh, preserve and heal and um, I don't know if the flavor thing is something Jesus would have been referencing to sure. here but it is bring- part it's part of it okay when you have food that is bland it's tasteless you take a bite of it and it's like it's just all kind of one meh it's like mm-hmm. meat sauce right there's nothing to it and you add a little bit of salt mm-hmm. and what does that do do you taste salt no you taste all these flavors that were already in the food the salt reveals the flavors that were there. So mm-hmm. Jesus is saying by that seasoning aspect, we reveal the beauty that's already here. Yeah. Mm. So that's the, that's the aspect of it. And it's also a bit of a cautionary tale because what happens if I dump the whole salt shaker into that bowl? It becomes country ham. It becomes country ham. <laughs> I, I ruin it. The, the idea being that Jesus is saying it's the right application, the proper yeah. application. You can be obnoxious. There's also people like me who literally are kept alive by excessive, like excess amounts of salt. Because mm. like I have... Um, cardio neurosyncope, so I pass out a lot. So I have to have an absurd amount of salt just to be able to um, keep the amount of water that the average person keeps. I would be an awesome patient for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I'm supposed to have, like, like, it's like an insane amount of salt, but I was always having sea salt thinking that was healthier. And then I found out from my doctor, like, that's the worst thing mm. you could do. You need to salt literally everything you eat. But one of the things that I love about, you know, when you think of salt, okay, so it's a preservative for meats. It keeps things from rotting. It It's a disinfectant that you put into wounds to bring healing. It brings out flavor mm-hmm. and things. You know, so like when you think of, you know, Christians should be those that bring out beauty and culture and arts and music and everything. We, we bring flavor to the world, right? But in that, the salt never draws attention to itself. Right. The salt exists. To make everything else around it more beautiful, more healthy. And so a Christian does not exist to go, hey, look at me. Look at me. I'm over here. I'm doing all these great things. It's just by being in the midst of it, we make that which is around us more beautiful. So if I'm I'm being an authentic, good follower of Jesus Christ, I make those around me beautiful without drawing attention to myself. I make things around me healthier without drawing attention to myself and stealing glory out of it. And that's, so it gets back to humility. You know, Jesus is beginning the Sermon on the Mount with these, with these, um, with language that's calling us to remember who we are and to humble ourselves. And salt is no different. It's this incredibly precious, valuable thing that does not draw attention to itself and makes everything else beautiful. 
That's cool. That's really awesome. Yeah. And, and it preserves what it touches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this idea of we can't be out of touch and out of contact with the world we can't do this at, yeah. we can't do this we gotta at arm's touch length. it we got to get up close and personal we can't do this at arm's length but yeah. and i think the other thing about that too that we have to explore is this idea salt is preserved how does salt preserve well it extracts away from the meat and the and the fish moisture it takes mm-hmm. moisture away from them and it's that element that causes them to rot over time so the idea is as as we're salt to the earth mm. We're there not only to add flavor, but also to take some things away. Yeah. And, so, and, and so the the concept is that we're supposed to be removing the elements that cause corruption, and that comes back to the sin question. So how you know how does a Christian deal with sin in their own life? How do they deal with sin? Because mm-hmm. clearly, we have to deal with sin ourselves, mm-hmm. the the plank in our own eye, before we talk about the speck in the eye of the people that we're trying to. Salt, you know, yeah, put, right, right. put salt on it, it preserve. So, how do we deal with the problem of sin? That was something that, um, for me, drives me right to the Book of Romans. You know, and here we go. Well, you know, <laughs> it's like, and the answer to this battle is to again come back to the gospel. Is to understand that we're not condemned. That being in Jesus, that we are preserved ourselves from God's wrath, and then there's this process of living our lives according to the Spirit, which will bring peace, and as opposed to living our lives according to the flesh, which will bring death. And I think this whole idea of sin and salt and this this great wordplay that's happening is that salt isn't, you don't just want one, what is it, a grain of salt, a kernel of salt, I don't know what it is. They're tiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever it is. But it's like the Christian community, when I'm dealing with sin, in isolation, it's very difficult to deal with sin. It's very difficult to do it on my own. Um, I, I need other people around me. I'm better as a group in my battle with sin. I'm, I'm better when someone knows that sin and can ask me about it and can walk with me and can encourage me than just me trying to fight it on my own. Yeah. And when, when you're talking about forgiveness and offerings and uh, things like that, one of the things, that Mark, in your sermon, or at least in your preparation for your sermon that you brought up, was in the Old Testament, the covenant of grace is also referred to as a covenant of salt. Right. And and the idea behind that was, you know, salt is something that lasts, it's something that heals, it's something that, that preserves, and so it's it's communicating that God's covenant with his people is gonna be one that endures, that heals, that 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 never fades away. Um and it's it's pretty powerful. Uh you Yes, when they talked about an offering of salt that would be something that was mixed in with the grain to, so mm-hmm. that it wouldn't be, again, it'd be kept dry. It's, yeah. al- it's always the moisture that, that causes it. And, they, I think, and, 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 and if you were in Sam's class, water is always a picture of judgment, of judgment death. and death. So that's the, you know, the, this idea that the water hmm. that penetrates these things causes death. It always causes things to rot and, and fall apart faster. It's kind of that's interesting. You know, when they when they talked about burnt offerings, so when you would put something on the altar and you would burn it up for forgiveness of sins, they would also you were also called to salt your offerings that would be burnt up. And what the salt does is it makes it burn slower. So here's a uh, children, do not try this at home. But if you were to take a napkin or a piece of toilet paper and put it in a safe pan or something. 
and you sprinkled it all around with salt so that salt covered the entire piece of paper, and then you try to light it on fire, it will not burn where the salt touches. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so this salt is not only a preservative, but it's a protective. It will not burn. And so it makes the offerings that you salt go slower. It's a better sacrifice. It's a better offering. Um, and so all of these pictures Jesus is offering up, I mean, that's you don't exist for yourself. You're a preservative. You disinfect. You heal. You bring out flavor. You're, you make the world a better place when you come in contact with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's something that is a process, too. This isn't an idea that we're going to go in and flip a switch and all of this work of preservation and enhancement and flavoring and everything is going to be done. It's something that happens over a period of time. That's, you know, that's what I was getting at when in Romans 8 where Paul talks about those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace that it's a volitional choice that we make. And we're the only ones that can choose to live according to the Spirit. The world cannot. Mm. They, don't, they don't have the Spirit of God to follow. So it's like the Christian is necessary in that equation because you're the one that can follow the, live according to the Spirit, and that brings life and peace. So it's, just a, it's the natural outworking of us following God, us following the Spirit, mm-hmm. is that that brings life and peace, as opposed to those that do not have the Spirit of God following their path, their ways, that's going to bring death. So it's the, the how do we preserve, how do we make better? By doing what we should be doing anyways, by following after God, by following His teachings, by following the Spirit, by all of the things that we've talked about on this podcast. All of these, you know, it's all part of this whole process of becoming more like Christ and becoming in that respect, bringing life and peace. Yeah. And just to show that like what we're, what we're talking about in our interactions with the world, we're to bring about this kind of beauty and Colossians. Paul picks up on this um, idea of salt helping other people. So we're in uh, Colossians four and he's saying, um, make the most of every opportunity that you have in the way that you act toward outsiders. And so he says this, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so when you hear that, like your words, Paul is telling you, season them with salt. What does that mean? Okay, well, let's go back to what salt stands for. That means your conversations should preserve. They should heal. They should bring out the best and mm-hmm. those around you. you. You should always think the best, speak the best of other people. And so that's how a Christian is to use their words in that very same manner. It's a lofty call. It, it is. is. It is. I also, um, in, this, in the Sermon on Salt and Light, I referenced Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Uh, I realize it's not Romans, but it's still Paul. <laughs> we're, 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 still, we're, still, we're still good there. But in 1 Corinthians he, chapter 5, he's writing to the church there. And he says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, verse 9. Verse 10 says, not at all, meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. He was actually talking about people that were doing this within the church, and he was telling them to put them out of the church. We talked about our, our podcast on judgment. We talked about how the church judges 
those within the church. That's the proper judgment. The church takes action against sin to inside protect of it, the to rest protect of itself. And what, but what Paul's making clear here is he's telling you you're not going to be able to avoid the world. He doesn't want you to just close yourself off and I'm going to get together with my small group and those are the only people I'm ever going to see or church on Sunday or because it's so easy to live in the Christian bubble. It is so easy to have every person you come in contact with all the time. You hang out with your friends from church. You do things together with your small group, you, you know, within your own family. And it just starts to pile on and build up to the point where you think, I really haven't interacted with anybody that's not already part of what's going on around here in in months. And that's not what we're to do either. Mm. <laughs> you know, he's saying you have to you don't want to escape into that that huddle. But the idea is that we should be coming in contact with the world because we have something they desperately need, which is the gospel. The second part of this passage. So we're, we're the salt of the earth. But Jesus also says you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so here Jesus comes. And so the second part of this, if the first part of this is salt. And, you know, as we've talked about, salt comes in contact with, and it's up close and personal. It's very much a one-to-one sort of thing. Absolutely. It's contact. Yes. You know, one of the things that you pointed out when you preached on this, Mark, that I loved that I've never thought about is salt requires you're in the mix. Yes. You're touching, you know. Salt preserves what it touches. You're close. flavors what it touches. But the second part of this is you're the light of the world. And so what does that imply? Well, the idea of... First of all, light, of course, is life, the right. opposite of darkness, death. which is death. <laughs> but this, it implies that you're reaching out. It's a one-to-many relationship, um, especially when he says, like, a city is built high on a hill. The, the reason they did that, well, they did it for defense because, obviously, right. if you've got some high ground, then the people that are toting their weapons up to you are going to be out of breath by the time they get to your gates, and a little hot oil will discourage them. So it's good for defense in that respect, but it's also there because you can see the light of that city for miles. As you're traveling, you can look up, you can see the light, and you know that that is a place of warmth and food and safety, the elements of life. It's an attractant. When he says you're the light of the world, he's telling you there that you need to be in the world in such a way that it is an attractant, that when people look to you, they know that's, awesome. that's where the life is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where I can go for that. Um, and then the same thing, you know, the, the flip of that is, or the other side of that coin, is he says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Right. But they put it on a stand, so it gives light to all in the house. And again, that's the idea of once they come in your house. So we've advertised light, safety, and the, someone comes in the house, whether that's the church, whether that's your house, whatever, but they come in, what do they encounter? They, they should encounter the same yeah. light that they saw drawing them in. Warmth. So if, yeah. there's, if, the, if the gospel doesn't illuminate every part of your life and your, your house and your world and your church, then those people aren't going to find what they came looking for. Yeah, I've never thought about it as the 
uh, first out in the world, the city, and then within the home, being representative of like your intimate personal life and also the church and all of that. It makes sense, but I, I had never separated it like that in my mind. It's cool. Now, the interesting thing, too, is, well, it was interesting to me anyways. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, here we're being told, he tells you, you are the light of the world. So what's he really saying? Well, when he says, I'm the light of the world, he who comes after me will not walk in darkness, but the light of life shall be in him. The idea is, yes, we're the light of the world, but it's not our light. Yeah. Right? It's his light that we carry to the world. And in that respect, we're supposed to be, and during the sermon, I put up a picture of a, of a lighthouse with the big reflector on top. And I said, the job of that is to diffuse the light that's within it. As in every direction possible and for as far as you can see. Mm-hmm. And that's what the picture is for us as light of the world. We have the light of life in us, and our job is to diffuse that and extend that and push mm-hmm. it out in every direction for as far as we can. Yeah, I love that because it, after this, Jesus is going to say, you know, that the world is going to see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So that, that same idea where salt doesn't get any of the credit, <laughs> you know, here – our deeds are not right. what ultimately are lifted up. The mm-hmm. Father is, right? So so if we are doing a good job of being light and we're drawing people, we're like that city of safety and refuge and provision that draws people to it because we they know we're a safe place, right? And then they come in and they find that the warmth and intimacy of the home, they don't go, oh, thank Sam. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the idea is they see that and they know what's behind it. They know that it's it's God that is creating and overflowing his kindness through his church. And they glorify him, not us. And these are verses, both if you're talking about the salt of the earth and the light of the world, mm-hmm. that I can very easily read past and just... Yep, got it. That's what I'm supposed to be as a believer. But it is a lofty call, and it's a beautiful call that, um, apart from Christ, I'm completely unworthy of. You mm-hmm. know, but and to think, as we've been talking, I've just been thinking about how beautiful it is that I don't, I don't take this part's not beautiful. I'll get to the beautiful part, but okay. I don't take this call seriously enough. Um, I, I don't. Truthfully, there are many days where I wake up and I don't consider the call that Christ has has given me to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world, and I can go about my day and and I can huddle, like you said, Mark. Mm-hmm. I can I can stay away from the world and do my own thing, and and thereby minimizing the call that Christ has invited me into, and yet He still uses me, and yet He still gives me grace and transform me and yeah. and reminds me that this is who I am even when I don't act like that. Mm-hmm. And then he convicts me of that, draws me to repentance and and transforms me. And so that's that's really cool too because as we're talking about it, like it's it's beautiful, but it's it's something that I can I, I don't live I don't live like this too often. So one of the interesting things that's also uh, about light is, you know, it's it's not just the opposite of dark. You know, darkness doesn't have a form. It it doesn't move, but light actually does. You know, it it moves. It's radiant. It brings warmth. It dispels um, darkness. It dispels darkness, and it's triumphant always, right? Yeah. And and so there's something to that. But one of the other things that's kind of like salt bringing out the flavors and the beauty of the world is there are literally no color. There's no color 
outside of light. What you what you experience as color is merely the way that the light reflects off of an object. Yeah. And so when it says, "Did you not know that you just made a strange <laughs> face at me?" No, I, yeah, I, I mean, if we turn if we turn off the light and we're in a totally dark room, there's no color. Period. Yeah. I think it's so, just weird to think about. Yeah. So when it when when Jesus comes and says, "You are the light of the world," what you do is reveal the beauty that's in our world, right? So light reveals color. It reveals beauty, paintings, all that kind of stuff. That's the idea. Light is going to make things around it beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you don't you don't look at a painting and go, "Oh, what wonderful light!" You enjoy the painting because the light is reflecting off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's why when a printer is a color printer, it has cyan, magenta, and yellow cartridges. And with those three colors, it can make any color. It prints green, blue, red, whatever. It, the K, by the way, is just black. The, and, but that's because it's reflected, okay, the ink on the paper. If you have a monitor, LED, LCD monitor, has three dots that are red, green, and blue, not cyan, magenta, and yellow, because that's transmitted light from that to your eye. There's nothing for it to reflect off of. So reflective light... Your head about to explode. No, no, no. Reflected light light changes wavelengths based on what it bounces off, Mm -hmm. and that determines the color. So if you're building something from... Wow. It's like... (laughs) Are we just that kind of nerd that we like that we find this information interesting? That's like... But that is. that's That's the reason why if you have a color printer... It has cyan, magenta, yellow, and from those, it can make any color it wants because it's, it's reflected color. And if you have a display, it uses red, green, and blue because there's nothing for it to reflect off of. It's being transmitted back to the retina in your eye, so it has to use those three colors. But it's, I love that. You know, it gets, light does not exist for itself. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're being called the salt. We don't, you don't exist for yourself. You exist to make other things beautiful. You're being called the light of the world. Nobody boasts in the light. You enjoy the warmth. You enjoy the life that Mm -hmm. light produces. You enjoy the beauty that it produces. But you don't go, oh, my goodness, what wonderful light. Now, you had something that you were talking about earlier as far as this sort of lofty call idea. Yeah. Well, when you were talking about how... um, the the call of being the salt of the earth is we go out we don't just stay in the church and stay with a bunch of christians because um salt by nature is meant to um, preserve it's meant to bring healing it's meant to make things beautiful and in the same way light isn't meant to be kept um under a bowl is that the word language that uses here it's Um, useless it's wasted at that point yeah it's meant to be um to be seen to light up the dark and so in that same way I think it got me wrestling with this idea of do I really believe that what God has called me to um, is something that the world is desperate for. Mm -hmm. And so in a previous podcast in evangelism, we talked about how uh, this guy Pendulette talked about the idea that if you really believe that God is real and what he says in the Bible is true, then how could you not go out? Mm-hmm. And that really, I mean, every time I hear yeah. that, it hits me um, really hard because I think all too often I can wake up and I can act, I can forget that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can say that, but then when I'm really honest with God about the way that I'm living, I'm not always going out intentionally into the world with a passion and fire that says, 
I have the truth that you are mm. desperate for. You might not know it, but I have the light of the world living within me. And um, he has made me as a believer, the salt of the earth. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to reveal true healing to you and to show you the one who makes all things beautiful mm-hmm. and preserves your life. Um, I think if I believed that, you yeah. know, I, how could I simply just read this and go on with my day? Because think about this. If you, took the salt away and you took the light away, what would the result be? Well, the world would be overrun by corruption, rotten decay, and it would be consumed in darkness. Mm. So the, the choice between salt and being us being salt and light and not being is the very survival of the world. Mm. Now, Jesus wraps the whole thing up. It's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's such a cool phrase. He, you know, he says that in the same way also let, your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. And this is something that, you know, the church gets involved in all kinds of good things. We help shelter the homeless. We feed the hungry. When hurricanes blow through, we send hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of supplies over and take people over and rebuild. And and we do all of these amazing things. But if the result of these things isn't that the glory goes to God, if the result of these things isn't that there's salt and light and the gospel going out, then we're doing it wrong or we're doing the wrong things or we're doing it in the wrong way. So it is something that, um, you know, when he talks about us doing good works, it's a particular outcome that we should be looking for. And it's so easy for people to, because it's, you know, you're there, you're helping somebody, you're giving them food and they're saying, Oh, you're so nice. And you're thinking, I am. (laughs) I am very nice. And I'm bringing you this food, you know, and you're having this nice moment. But it is something that what they do, what we do, or the way that we do it should be always transferring the glory to God. Mm -hmm. We have a really wonderful guy in our church who um, has donated money to the school, um, and a significant amount of money. And one of the things that he said when he gave the money is, I want this to be used specifically for people who are in crisis. Hmm. Um, I want this to be used to help families that can't afford their tuition. I want them to be provided for. And when he said, Hmm. when you give this money to them, I want them to know, yes, it came from somebody who is in the church, but this is not from the hands of men. Hmm. This is the Lord's kindness. God gave this person Hmm. these resources so that he could use them to bless you. And like I love, those are some of my favorite meetings when you come to somebody who's at the end of their rope, who's in crisis, to be able to say this did not come from Bethany Christian School or Rio Vista Community Church. This came from the hand of God. Mm -hmm. It is him seeing you in your pain right now and loving you. And that always means more to people than when we just give a scholarship. Mm-hmm. They they feel it and they yeah. sense it and you know even when we're not as you know expressly obvious that this is you know from the Lord mm-hmm. in our environment I can't tell you the number of times I've had people who have started coming to church or who have expressed an openness to discussing Christianity because they see something different here yeah. they mm-hmm. see people that are filled with joy they see people that are that are calm that aren't shaken by the world. Um, at least not as much, maybe. Um, and there's an openness to it. And I think even though they look and they say, hey, you guys are great people, 
they know that there's something underlying that, that right. we're standing on a foundation that's strong and they're jealous of that. Yeah. yeah. It's the impossibility of the mission that we can't get any glory for it mm-hmm. because like if we're really doing salt and light and like stopping corruption, which seems inevitable and blotting out darkness and it can't just be, Hey, well you, you did that. No, like it's so impossible yeah. that there's no chance I could do that myself. That has mm-hmm. to be from God. So that's where I, I think, yeah, if I'm getting too much glory, I'm like, then you're missing the mark. You're underselling right. that this, like Drew was saying, the value of what this truly is is so valuable. It, there's no chance it could come from me. Well, I, you know, when we were talking about salt as a seasoning, if you salt food that's bland and you taste it, it's not the salt that you taste. You taste all of the other flavors that were already there. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, our job is salt and light are to preserve and, and, and reveal and to illuminate things that already are. You know, these aren't, these aren't coming from us. God's already put them here. God already has them here. It's a, God is already here. And what we're supposed to be doing is bringing people back to him. And yeah. that's what Jesus meant when he said salt and light. They're not character awards. They are <laughs> job descriptions. Yeah. That's what he wanted us to do. You know, when you look up and, and you look at the moon, you know, like even today, I, I know how all of this works, but I still, when I look at the moon and I see it shining bright in the sky at night, I have to, like, I remind myself, that's not the moon's light. Right. <laughs> you know, it is, it's up shining so brightly, you know, giving light to all the world and, and this kind of darkness. But it's giving light to the world in darkness, purely reflecting the power of the sun. Right. Mm-hmm. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us this week on the Out of Water podcast. And you will both subscribe and join us on a regular basis. Do give us a good rating to help other people find Out of Water also. And we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and you will both subscribe to the podcast and listen regularly. You can find out more about Out of Water, catch up on past episodes, and access show notes at our website, riovistachurch.com slash outofwater.